Welcome to NoClip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Ehrlichman. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Realms of the Haunting, a game that was developed by Gremlin Interactive, published by Interplay Productions, and released in 1997 on MS-DOS. But first, if you can give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. So, Realms of the Haunting is a fascinating point-and-click adventure game that has, like, some pretty light first-person shooter elements. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. I I, I was thinking of it as, like, Doom, Mist, and just FMV in general all, like, mashed together. Yeah. If you had, like, a checklist of things that you would be, like... That I would say the majority of people would be like, oh, get that away from me. I feel like Realms of the Haunting hits a lot of them, but that same checklist on the flip side is things that I fucking love, and that's Wacky FMV, a horror game with a point-and-click adventure game, and also you shoot a staff (laughs) (laughs) that shoots light bolts at people. Yeah. Um, So I have a funny... uh... It's not stories, not the right word, but like mm-hmm. anecdote. I don't know, whatever. Uh, I, for some reason, thought this was a game that had come out in the past five to ten years and was like a retro throwback mashup kind of game. Yeah. And then found out today that it is from 1997. <laughs> you you played this game and thought somebody intentionally did the things they did? Yeah, I, it seems so like something an indie developer would do these days. I can kind of see The that. only thing that made me question it slightly is the amount of FMV. I feel like a small like indie studio wouldn't be able to film that much stuff. That's true, because I think in the day it was actually way cheaper than making a CG version of anything to just put in video of a guy. Yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, especially like we played um, Fatum Bachela a couple years ago, which was off of this like PS1 haunted demo disc project that was worked on by a bunch of different people who yeah. all made small games. I, I would just, for some reason, assume this was like one of those kind of things where like someone was like, <laughs> In like 2017 or something, was like, hey, what if I mashed up Doom and Mist? Well, that's how <laughs> just disgustingly forward thinking Gremlin Interactive is, uh, because they decided to mash up Doom and Mist in 1997. Actually, I just heard maybe very late 1996. It's a uh... yeah, yeah. The Wikipedia page said 97, but other sources said December 96. So. Yeah. So who knows really when this came out? It is an enigma in a lot of ways. Uh huh. Um, how do you describe this game? You play as a guy who is the the dutiest guy who ever was. Yeah, Adam, the 90s guy. Adam Randall, I think, is his full name. Yeah, so weird that we touched on this right away, but did you feel like in the FMV cutscenes, Adam was like 90s everyman? Yes. And then in gameplay, he had like 80s action movie guy quips? <laughs> 
like it almost sounded like it was a different voice actor to me delivering his lines of like in-game dialogue yeah let's actually tackle all of this right now because i i'm, I'm loving this um yet yeah, kind of i felt like he it felt like did... a disconnect i well there's a lot of disconnects in this game for sure. a lot of different reasons but i felt like he didn't quip that often Maybe you interacted with the quippier stuff. Maybe. And I didn't. But I felt like when he did do a quip, it felt really out of place. But I, I don't know. Like, to me, he was like, I think what they're going for is 90s Everyman. And also, but playing the 80s action hero. Mm-hmm. Like, it's he can't avoid being a 90s Everyman. Because he, he just is that guy. Yeah. Uh... But then, um, but then they put him in this role where he really, because if you took any normal person, which is what you're trying to to portray them as and put them into this situation, obviously they would just get massacred and die. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a little bit of 80s action hero in your protagonist to show that they've got, you know, the wherewithal to, to duke it out with ghosts and minotaurs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of my thought. I yeah, know. yeah. I, I don't have, like, a problem with her or anything. It just, like, it felt like he just looked and acted such a specific way uh-huh. in the cutscenes. And then, like, in gameplay, it felt more like um, we played uh, um, Gemini Rue yes. uh, this past year. And that guy's obviously doing, like, a Harrison Ford Blade Runner style voice. Mm-hmm. And it felt, like, not exactly the same, but a similar thing. Like, he was trying to do, like noir detective like gruff like smoking guy that is correct yeah Yeah, and it just didn't feel like they matched also and i don't know if this is me (laughs) not having the ear for it but this company is a british company Mm. and 99 percent of the actors are british actors and he just seems to not be yeah but he has, like, an inflection. Like, maybe he was trying to do kind of a British accent at times. My interpretation of that was just that, like, he is American, uh-huh. but then everyone else who's, like, involved with, like, the fantasy stuff has a British accent. Right. But then he has to, like... It's like, so it sets them apart. I, that would make sense. But then he has to deliver these lines that are written by British people. You've no, you, There is a notable... I pointed this out... In Xenoblade 3, and I don't remember if I... I don't think... There's nothing in on God's green earth that would have made me bring this up on the podcast. But uh, there, some characters say Lieutenant as opposed oh, to yeah. Lieutenant. And they do that in this game as well. He says Lieutenant, and everyone else says Lieutenant. Right. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, oh, that's how you know that he definitely is at least playing an American guy. Even yeah. if his voice kind of fluctuates weirdly. Um, but no, in, in, on note of his voice lines in game, I'm glad that you brought this up this early because it means I don't have to do, I don't have to remember and do work later. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I actually recorded, uh, one of the things I was really impressed by with this game, and I guess you'd probably be less impressed if you thought that this game came out more recently than it did. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Uh, there is just dialogue for fucking everything. Uh, you walk around, and he will just describe everything that you click on. Mm-hmm. It's a ceramic vase. A ceramic vase. Candle. Um, and we're doing this, and then you're going to hear it, because I actually had the <laughs> wherewithal to open up the software to record <laughs> the audio. Yeah. So I, I will just put a clip in 
of him describing shit. Old suit of armor. All the pieces are wired together. Those eyes almost look real. Plain old chair. Candle. Novel. Coat stand. Ceramic vase. Stylized table. Light switch. Hmm. Elias Camber, if I'm not mistaken. He's holding a mask. Cult-style robes. I really do with some sleep. Every mundane object. Yeah, and then once Rebecca's following you around, she'll chime in on a lot of stuff, too. Yeah. And, like, he knows a weird amount about, like, European history, strangely. <laughs> but she knows way more and yeah. is going to tell you what fucking era every sword and shield is from. Yep. Uh, I loved this <laughs> shit. I thought it was fantastic no yeah it is very impressive like even if it was made in 2017 <laughs> it would still be impressive to that level of detail is yeah. always appreciated but yeah i think i think the fmv is kind of it isn't what sold me on the game weirdly the thing that i was told is like it's like a point and click with an fps uh but once i actually got into the game the fmv cutscenes were like the sweetest candy to me mm -hmm. and i wanted more of them at every turn i love their the acting is like just on that borderline i'm so used to seeing games like this where the acting is just fucking dog water and in this it is is like a bad movie mm -hmm. it's not so bad that it's like the worst thing i've ever seen so you get that perfect middle ground of like cheesy voice acting uh that i love deeply yeah i mean you associate it with fmv like that's part of the appeal is that you want it to be corny yeah but yeah you don't want it to be dog shit either <laughs> it, it, i think it is does seem to be like a hard needle to thread yeah it's it's definitely tough uh, and I, we saw a similar, this is calling back to a classic, uh, no clip Halloween episode. The thing that's going to make that this, this is going to make me think of is of course, night trap. Mm. And but the, you might go for harvester. I could also go for harvester. Harvester is too. I love harvester. Don't mm. get me wrong. It's too self-aware. Yeah. And I think night trap is medium self-aware and also the acting is worse than it is yeah. here. Uh, and so it, it's got this, like, extreme camp going on. Realms, you can kind of take a modicum seriously, but it's still just thoroughly enjoyable to watch. You have to imagine that filming this was, like, the most fun anybody's ever had in their life. Yeah, I, I feel like the actress who plays Rebecca looks like she is not taking it even a little bit seriously. <laughs> And she's just chewing, she's hamming it up. She's chewing that scenery. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Also, I love uh, Belial, uh, uh, the guy who's just a man with glasses. <laughs> like, when they described him, I was assuming it was going to be the fucking Balrog. Yeah. And it Does was... this form please you? <laughs> it's just A man with dude. glasses. Oh. <laughs> uh. Anyway, that's, that's, I mean, that's probably not all I have to say, but it's yeah. not even close, probably, yeah. but... It, the, <laughs> another thing that makes more sense in a sincere way and not in a retro throwback way, <laughs> uh, um, once I realized the game actually came out in 97, is that uh, 
Adam and Rebecca are like totally a bootleg day or um, Mulder and Scully. Oh yeah. Like it's like 100% like Rebecca, especially just wearing like a pantsuit with the flared out collar and has like the, the uh, shoulder length hair, the nineties hair. Yeah. Like the nineties hair. And then he's got like the up hair and like the duster. And it's just like, I I see what you're going for game. (laughs) Yeah. The duster is a choice that they made in wardrobe that makes him look like a fucking tank from behind. Mm. Like, because it's such just a wide coat. It looks like either... Because it was the 90s. It had to be huge. had to be huge. He looks like he's either a really jacked dude with a tiny head (laughs) or like a kid wearing his dad's coat. It looks a little more like that. Like, when you catch... (laughs) His sprite in the mirror, uh-huh. it does kind of look like a small kid in a giant coat. <laughs> just a little little dude. Yeah. He's just a little guy. <laughs> little man, fat coat. <laughs> I don't know if our audience is going to get that reference, but uh, that's fine. I feel fine. like everyone knows that song, right? Probably. Anyway. Um, yeah. Also, this game has uh, some reflections, which I found to be very amusing as well. Um, I'm positive that they aren't rendered reflections like you would see in a modern mirror. No, it's Uh, like a flipped... Yeah. Yeah, where they've just now inserted a flat image of him. Uh, And it's great. God, I love it. I, I love seeing... Like, when you shoot, when you have... When you're looking at a mirror... You have this like canned animation of him firing the gun, uh, and it is, and it makes me chuckle every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so good. Yeah, I guess to switch gears off the back of that, um, in at the beginning of the game, like mm-hmm. you watch your introductory cutscene, and then you're just dropped off in this house. <laughs> Which also, we're, I don't want to spoil anything sure. for anybody who hasn't played the game. Um, if first of all, the game's like three bucks right now. Mm-hmm. Go play this fucking. You play the watch the pay three dollars to watch the opening cutscene <laughs> of this game. Uh, the opening cutscene plays as soon as you boot the software, and if you hit escape to get to the menu, it skips it, and there's no other way to watch it. Don't skip this. It's the most important part of the whole game. <laughs> it's amazing. Go on. Uh, and so you're dropped off in the in the spooky mansion, mm-hmm. uh, and the game does not tutorialize anything. Not it does not hold thing. your hand, so you're just kind of wandering around. And uh, it took me forever to figure out to light the candles at the beginning. It's like the first thing you need to do. Uh, so like I kept walking up to the mirror, and that seemed to be like the only thing I could like meaningfully interact with. And I just like kept shooting at it because it was like it just something that like. I don't know, seemed... That was one of the only things that stood out. Yeah. Was that you could, like, interact with the mirror, and I guess, like, in hindsight, that was just kind of, like, showing off the technology of, like, all oh, this game has reflections. Um, so that in- resulted in me then progressing through the game some more and, like, running out of ammo and then restarting the game. <laughs> <laughs> Which did not take very long. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, once you know... <laughs> how to get back to where you were it doesn't it does not take long no the uh the opening is it's fucking rough um if you're not used to this kind of a game or potentially i was not cognizant of the world around me or how to move my arms and look at stuff at the same time when this game came out but i don't know if they just expect people to 
really fucking trudge through the openings of these games. Because this is a common complaint that I have about games of this era, is that it drops you in and then you just have to, like, figure it out. Yeah, I think it's because this was from the era of instruction manuals. Yeah. Like, I think that what they expect is that you will read the booklet <laughs> that comes with the game if you don't know what to do. Yeah. Which I, is not a thing that happens anymore. I only found out the other day um, that there's a crouch button in this game. Yep. And it took me half. I had to Google it's halfway the through. It's Z key. It's, oh, it's good. It's Z? Yeah. All right. Also, this game has mouse look. Like, with a mouse. Mm -hmm. But you move with the arrow keys, which obviously sounds, like, terrible right now in 2022. Mm -hmm. But back then wasn't super unusual. But the jump key is over on A. So if you ever have to jump, your hand has to take a transatlantic flight over (laughs) to the other side of the keyboard. Uh, So when you're doing platforming, which fucking hold your goddamn horses there is a platform in this game uh you like want to move right hand over to the the arrow keys which is an awkward move that i'm just not a big fan of yeah yeah i am a complete stranger to old pc games like this mm-hmm. um yeah like i know it's like kind of set up so that you could control it with one hand if you have a numpad right um yeah, it took me forever to like learn. You could look up and down. Yeah, like one, page... three, seven, and eight on the numpad. Yeah, okay. On the way that I did it was with page up, page down. Uh... Which I have five keyboards <laughs> that don't even have those uh... keys on them. I just happen to be yeah. using. One I didn't that even did. think about the fact you'd be playing this with a mechanical keyboard mm-hmm. that's not a full keyboard. Yeah, because uh, I, I was using my cheap wireless one. But um, but yeah, it took me forever to figure that out. But like. Yeah, the amount it, the controls feel too spread out across the keyboard. Like there's so yeah, like you said, like I'm playing it like I couldn't not use the mouse. I kind of tried to play it with one hand because yeah. like that seemed like it would be the most comfortable. But it just <laughs> if you have the mouse, it's too tempting to use it, um, and would be really hard to do combat without it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so you have like your your hand, uh, your left hand on the arrow keys, like kind of like bent over here, all awkward, like, and then your mouse <laughs> right over, like right next to it. Yeah, and then there's s- controls that are on the main keyboard. So as you say, yeah, you have to move your hands to like a more traditional setup. And yeah, once I figured out that the crouch button existed in like a late game boss fight because like I was like crouching behind like a tombstone or something. Nice. Um. But yeah, yeah, they're 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 really spread out, and it's like hard to imagine how they came to the decision to map them the way they did. <laughs> uh, the fact that you can do things with numpad with the numlock off, probably it, it is that's what it was designed for. Yeah, that would be my guess because I didn't even try that or know that you could, um, and so I was doing this awkward fucking movement where, like. So this game has crates, and for the audience's benefit, I'm putting giant quotation marks around the word crates. They have, like, a wicker-textured square (laughs) with walls, very small walls, Mm -hmm. uh, that are supposed to imply crates. Um, And in order to pick stuff up that was in the crates for three quarters of the game, I would just sort of jostle around the crate by back, keep in mind, no strafing in this game either. So you have to like back up and turn and then move forward to actually do things. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
And I would go around the crates and look inside them from head height and hope that I was close enough to pick the stuff up. When I found out that page down was the look down button, uh, it became even more awkward somehow because now I was like standing over top of it and then you like, I got to reach my hand up to page down and then he would, you just dip instantly to the lowest possible thing. He has three head settings Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, it, it was weird. It was an extremely weird experience that I know is only weird because I grew up with more modern shooters. Right. Uh, but fortunately, you rarely have to do that in a situation where you're being shot at or yeah. attacked. So, yeah, it led to the. And this is in the gameplay footage if you're watching on YouTube. There's a part Good. where uh, there's a key in a pool, and that's what taught me. Yep, <laughs> you same. can look down. Uh, <laughs> and even after I do figure that out, it still takes me a while to like get it to be in the right spot, so it actually lets me pick it up. The crouch probably would have come in handy there. <laughs> Uh, but I didn't learn that lesson yet. No. No, if, if, uh, honestly, like, I'm glad that's in the capture footage because I've had exactly the same experience, uh, of being like, I see the key. What do I do with yeah, it? Like, how do I access it? In the water. Yeah. Or whatever he says. <laughs> it's, like, it's obviously a key, dude. Did you talk to him? To who? <laughs> to Adam. Like, when you were playing? Like, just speak oh. to the main character? <laughs> No. I treated it like it was a Door of the Explorer episode every mm-hmm. time he'd... I was like, I can see that. Every time there's a monster, it's like, oh, look out. <laughs> uh, good God. All right. So, the base gameplay of this video game is that of a point-and-click adventure game. I want to say... Correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. that's what took up the most of my time in this game. Yeah, I think it starts out feeling like it's going to be more of a shooter. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of flip-flops about halfway through and is like mostly puzzles. Yeah, it's it's a lot of puzzles and a lot of puzzles that I have really mixed feelings on, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, the The puzzles are probably... What are gonna what's gonna turn the most people off of this game, I think, from a modern perspective. Yeah. Because the game has these elements of survival horror. Like you said, you ran out of ammo and then just quit and started over again. Which isn't a terrible idea considering how how not far into the game yeah, you were. Yeah, it was only like happened. fifty minutes. Yeah. And then I caught back up to that in like fifteen. Right. <laughs> uh and so that's like that's great. That's a you had a learning experience, you figured it out what was going on. Um but there's a lot of adventure game shit in here, like the your bottomless inventory that is ever expanding and full of garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's displayed in a tiny window. This is displayed in a tiny window that you have to scroll by clicking on these weird chunky arrows. Yeah. Uh and a lot of the puzzles I thought were actually good. I think it skews in more in the direction in terms of adventure game puzzles that people hate. This is more of a pixel hunting kind of game, but just in a 3D environment that you can look around in and less of a moon logic, weird cat hair mustache game. Um, there's a little bit of illogical stuff that occurs mm-hmm. on occasion, but for the most part, if you can find the stuff that you need, you'll be okay-ish. 
Yeah, for me, it's more. It's less like what like the actual content of the puzzles or like the design of them, and more like progression stuff. Like the things that gave me the biggest hangups on this are just like not knowing what to do next. Yeah, and that and that does happen in the puzzles sometimes too. Like you, you kind of like know what you're doing, but then like you don't know where to take piece A to fit it into piece B or whatever. You know, things like that. Yeah, especially <laughs> it's weird. Uh, one of the thing, the other one of the other things about this game that impressed me on a technical level is just how much physical space there is. Like this game is weirdly expansive. Um, the titular realms, uh, are all individual places. They don't look very different from each other most of the time. Um, but I really thought the game was going to be a mansion game. Yeah. That just takes place in a mansion. Um, and so what ends up happening is early in the game, you get a pretty good idea of how the mansion is laid out. And then later in the game, they want you to go somewhere else. And you just go, where is that? And everyone goes, I can't tell you too much. I'm a ghost. <laughs> and then they vanish into the ether. And you just have to run the fuck around. Uh, so I feel that. I do. Yeah. And like, there's a part like towards the middle-ish of the game, like around when you get the blunderbuss, mm-hmm. you just like find a couple of like warp portals that just don't work. And, like, you never come back to them and, like, activate them or use them. And they never work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, uh, so, yeah, it can be kind of hard to know what's important and what's not at, at different points in the game. Yeah. There's one point I remember where, <laughs> okay, now For we're getting. a bunch of dead rats. There's just a bunch of dead rats on a portal. That did happen. Uh, actually, in that area, um, when you come back, I think, from the maze realm also one yeah i know uh (laughs) the first one with the hedge maze okay yeah yeah. uh when you come back i went and found a portal and it played a cutscene of what turned out to be the final boss which is called by the way the dodger yeah (laughs) which is i don't understand if he's like a great baseball player uh but he, he's from Brooklyn. Yeah, he's from. It's just a demon dog from Brooklyn. Uh, so we called him the Dodger. But uh, and he like shows up and then like fades in, and everyone's like, "What was that?" And then Rebecca's like, "I don't know." Yeah, you just kind of like look at him from like around a corner. <laughs> yeah, I think that was just supposed to be foreshadowing, but in a weird way. But it was foreshadowing in a way that made me run around that courtyard for, like, Mm. 20 minutes, going, like, this has to be, they played a cutscene. Yeah, (laughs) there's got to be something here. Yeah, but nothing. Yeah. There's just nothing. I'm sure I was only there for actually, like, three minutes, (laughs) because the courtyard's not big enough for me to be like, there must be something here for that long, but... Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of directionless at times. And when they do give you direction, it's like intentionally really vague, um, which makes it challenging to get around at times. Yeah, and then on the flip side, sometimes, like, there are at least like two or three times where, like, I started a chapter, did like three things, and then the next, it was just like chapter, <laughs> the next one. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I feel like I probably like missed some stuff. Right. I hope it doesn't matter. 
<laughs> I don't. I have no idea if this game can soft lock you, but there were a couple points where I was pretty afraid that I was going to be soft locked. I think I essentially soft locked myself out of being able to beat the final boss. Oh. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. Oh yeah. Okay. We'll uh, do that in a minute. Um. Yeah. The Dodger. The Dodger. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, like, I found some of the puzzles to be kind of cool. Um, I like that a lot of the puzzles involved... So a lot of adventure games, you use inventory items, you, like, click them, and then you click on a thing, and it goes, good job, you clicked on the right thing. I like that this used the space a lot more, uh, because it is a 3D environment. This is one of the benefits of this style of gameplay, as, a, as applied to an adventure game, is that you can explore an area and... Like, do stuff. Stand on a button. Or whatever. Throw a goblet of water on a <laughs> on a shining barrier. Yeah, but don't stand too close or I'll let you do it. <laughs> also that. Yeah, and you'll be uh, really confused for like three minutes. Running back to see if maybe your chalices were not actually filled with water. And having no way to really check. <laughs> I think... Does it not put like a little icon? I think it does. But, I don't know, it, it just took me a while to figure that. You have to be sitting at, like, a specific distance for it to, mm. like, for the reticule to turn red to, like, let you splash it. And I, I was, like, right in front of the door that was trying to, like, interact with it. And it's like, nope, can't use the chalice here. Uh, I, don't think, I did not have that issue, yeah, but, but that's anyway. very funny. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just like that. I like that there's stuff that, uh, that used, like, your fucking equipment and shit uh in a way that felt more interactive uh yeah no, i like it too um I, one of the things that stands out to me is your dad's mansion or whatever like the house you go to um that's like across from the church oh yeah yeah, yeah. there's uh, a word for it i don't know what it is yeah um but anyway um you get this warding wand there and in, like, a flashlight that lets you see these, like, sigils on the walls, and you have to, like, use the wand to, like, destroy them or whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought that was fun because it actually, like, uses the shooting mechanics. Um, and you can actually use the wand as a weapon, too. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I thought that was fun to, like, explore that house. And, like, I don't know. I thought that was, like, the things you're saying. Um, it, it's <laughs> it's fun to have, like, the more interact like, them to take advantage of the fact that it's a 3D game. And use it more, like, interactively in that way. Yeah. And it is not fun that they put the wand under the fucking doormat. <laughs> yes. Because, <laughs> like, like, it's a back door key. Uh, I don't even know how I figured out it was under the doormat. It was a lot of... I found the flashlight. It was in a wall safe. Like, an obvious place to check. That almost kind of feels like they wanted that to be, like, a like a ocarina of time. You had to look up at the boss to start the boss fight kind of thing. It's like, oh, well, we can have them look down. At the- and they can, like, <laughs> notice the welcome mat. Like, we got to take advantage of the fact that you can look in three dimensions. That is true. And they did take... It was just... It was t- fucking ten hours into the game. <laughs> Gotta get that key from the pool. You gotta get that key from the pool. And the wand under the doormat. That's it, really. (laughs) It'll make it a little easier to pick things up off the ground. Um, 
Yeah, but no, I, I actually, because that, that actually ends up being kind of a highlight of the game once you figure out the wands under the doormat, uh, is, like, that area getting this, like, uh, item and going around and doing, like, what felt like real, like, fucking door-kicking action exploration, <laughs> uh, which was amusing and, mm-hmm. and fun to do. Um, God, I really don't want to, like, I keep verging into talking about the combat, but I kind of want to hold it off uh, for the second half for the sake of keeping things balanced. Mm -hmm. Uh, Off the back of that last conversation, then, um, I I was complaining about, like, using the chalice feeling cumbersome to me. Like, did it take you a while to figure out how to use the healing potions? (laughs) How you had to click on, left-click on them and then right-click on them to use them? Yeah, it took it. I well, and I didn't even know they were healing potions for mm. probably an hour, because it when you look at it, when you examine it, he it's says kind of liquid. Any ideas? Mm. Like he says, any ideas? Yeah, because and, Rebecca can answer that question <laughs> later in the game. Yes, they want to record another later. line. Uh, I think I figured it out accidentally mm. because I did just like click in the inventory and then right click. Because I didn't know how to do anything yeah. with the mouse. It's like, the it seemed almost random whether a left click or a right click was the appropriate thing to yeah. do. It's inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that was one of my biggest problems with the game, like when it comes to just like the game feel of it. Um, on top of like the controls being weird and like depending on what menu you're in, you might need to move your hands to different places. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then yes, also you don't know if you had to like click to combine things and like right click left click um there's a part later in the game uh it's like a like a big long puzzle we had to combine a bunch of crap to make the different elements or whatever and it's just like uh (laughs) like i had to combine this with it's it just feels very like yeah cumbersome because it's like inconsistent and like you have to like figure everything out on like a case-by-case basis like how it's gonna work yeah i i feel like that is if you combine the two things we were just talking about, that is a great example of, like, uh, probably something that I had a lot easier time with because I knew the game was old. Sure. As opposed to somebody who <laughs> thought they was trying to seem old. Because... like, man, they really nailed this. It's <laughs> <laughs> your fucking mixing and scratching maybe all over the Maybe keyboard. a little too authentic. <laughs> uh, because, like, so you talked about the flashlight, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the flashlight is a cool thing because it lets you see the the runes and it's like an interesting use of the inventory system. But you have to have it equipped. When you pick up a key and the whole purpose it of it equips it. Yeah, it puts the key in the slot because the it, your equipped slot, which I guess is like your right hand or something, mm-hmm. is what you're going to use when you interact with something in the world. Um and so you end up with this thing where it's like, uh, they always want to put the new item into the equip slot for no reason. And then also it will auto put an item in when you click on stuff. So fortunately they don't do a ton with you having to have something there. The flashlight's really like the one that I can think of, Mm -hmm. but it was incredibly irritating to have to keep going into the menu and swapping it back in for the key. Uh, every time that yeah. you pick something up. Usually the the key you need will be one of the things that will auto-put in your hand, yeah. uh, which is nice. Uh, yeah, well, that could be confusing sometimes, though. Like, you'd be, like, 
you would find like some kind of puzzle thing and then like you would just kind of click on it a few times and it would just like open a door and be like what <laughs> what even just happened I... well yeah that happened to me i uh because i, I didn't know burn those journals in the fire like to get into the one maze i was like what the fuck i, I never would have thought to put these journals in here like good thing this auto thing yep. <laughs> exists it is good yeah i would not have thought to put the journals in also jesus it i felt like the game could see like through my webcam because there's a, a part where you get the journal, you open it up and it says like, he's like, uh, I bet this journal holds a lot of answers to a lot of our questions. And then Rebecca goes, we should go through it thoroughly <laughs> and systematically. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> Close immediately. Don't read. <laughs> uh, because all the text in this game is just in script for some reason. It's been written in cursive mm-hmm. uh, and is just, it's not like hard to read, but it is more difficult to read than it needs to be. Yeah. And so I very quickly gave up on on taking the time to read like the longer documents. Yeah, yeah. Anything that was handwritten. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I also didn't read. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it, well, on top of it being in, like, a weird script font that's supposed to look like handwriting, mm. uh, it's also in 90s FMV, so it's, like, pixelated. It's grainy. Yeah, yeah, so it it just, yeah, it's it's hard on the eyes, for sure. Can we, I don't know if you did any research on the controls, but do you know if you can expand that window? Oh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so, either. So those maps that you get? You just scroll through them. Useless. <laughs> you cannot use that map for anything. I suppose if you like went into the game files, downloaded them, and then printed it out, <laughs> you could use the map. But like I'm like looking at this fucking two inch by four inch window mm-hmm. that you have to scroll and like look at. Blueprints gotta, are huge. You gotta have a photographic memory. You really do. Otherwise, they're just of no help at all. Yeah. It could be some of the worst maps I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that tiny window. The tiny window ruins it. Yeah. Uh, so do what I did and Google a map. Because they're, they're out there. You can find them. Yeah, I found myself not really using them because they were so bad. Uh, I consulted the one at the tower probably the most to be like where which realm is which pad which realm is the haunting yeah which realm is haunted i'm looking for haunting <laughs> he ordered a pizza um <laughs> no and i i don't believe that place is because they they do this thing so you may have thought when i started this podcast that i was like very enthused about this game because it was a good game that i liked mm-hmm. uh i do like the game the game is is kind of bad <laughs> there are a lot of elements of this game that are bad um and i'm sorry if i gave the wrong impression from the beginning uh-huh. uh man oh man is the tower a stupid bad area that sucks <laughs> uh you go around all the pathways are these just like narrow single lane <laughs> pathways uh and there are lots of them that just curve round and round, mm-hmm. but don't have turns. So you just have to go round and round in order to get where you're going. Yeah. Which is just pointless time wasting. Uh, and then, yeah, like you get to these gates 
that are like shiny, sparkly. Yeah. And you go through them, and they seem to only serve to let you not anymore know what direction you came (laughs) from or where you are. I think they're actually in there for loading, was my guess. That's probably Technically. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they kind of like warp you to other parts of the tower. Yeah, so you're like, okay, so I need to go east from here, and then you like go through the gate, and then you come out, and you're like, well, hold on. (laughs) This doesn't look like where I thought I would end up. Uh it's very confusing, and the maps are impossible to use. Yeah, they want. I think they want it to be kind of confusing to navigate, to make it feel like a mystical, magical realm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, the problem for me, or one of the things that stands out to me anyway, um, is there's these like big stones that you can examine, and it'll tell you the direction of the different realms. Mm-hmm. They like drop that on you like from the get go, and like when you first get there, just kind of confusing. And, like <laughs> you're like, is this a puzzle? Like, he's telling me where the directions of all these places, like, is this going to be like a, you know, like, my mind, you know, is, like, turning with all these, like, possibilities of, like, do I need to catalog this information? Uh, yeah. And it, you don't. There's a, a <laughs> there's a photo on my camera roll of the document that explains what the four symbols mean. Yeah. Never fucking comes up. Um, it's useful for, like, if you're actually using the map later in the game and you have all of the realms open to you you can look and see which one is which by looking at like the symbols on the map yeah that makes more sense um, yeah yeah because like once you actually like have all the realms open like i just said like it, the the tower is much easier to like deal with it's still like clunky and not good but like it isn't confusing <laughs> You can still navigate it. You will still have to pull out the map too many times because everything looks the same, but... Yeah. Um, One last note on that is that uh, your main character, who's all about reading books in the middle of a fun game that he wants to be playing, he'd rather sit and read a book, Uh um, has no issue reading those books, but then you pick up a... uh, (laughs) You pick up a piece of paper that very clearly says burn on it. And he's like, can't read that. (laughs) It's the only piece of text in the whole game that you can read from the examine screen. Yeah. Where it just says burn on it. And he's like, I need a magnifying glass for this. (laughs) Can't figure it out, guys. And then just to cap off puzzles. Uh, the way the game has changed. This is one of those topics that kind of straddles the line between do I talk about it with puzzles or do I talk about it at the point of a podcast where we inevitably go, why'd they make the game so fucking long? Uh-huh. Uh, but the end of this game caps off with this puzzle marathon, and every puzzle is bad. <laughs> It was the realm of puzzles. You took a break from the realms of the haunting to go to the realm of puzzles. Yes. And it comes off the back of two equally bad prior segments where you go find brains, which we can talk about, or Mm. we couldn't. I think we'll save it for the second half. All right. I don't know what it's going to tie into, but that's fine. I'll want to complain about it. Good. Uh, and then you go do a mirror. That one wasn't too bad, but it was boring. You run around in a circle and shoot mirrors. Uh-huh. Uh, and then it just goes, do all these puzzles. And it's like the first time in the game where it's just, it feels like those placeholder puzzles. That like any game, they're like 
the library of free use music of puzzles mm-hmm. where any game's like, oh, we need to put a puzzle here. It's like, what order do you press the switches in? Yeah. <laughs> do that one. They they resisted the urge to do an ice block, block pushing puzzle. One of the one of the only classics that's missing. That was part of the premium plan. Yeah, <laughs> like they didn't have that one. Uh, one of the only ones that seemed interesting to me um, was the one where it's just like a mirror maze, mm. where like the walls are like black unless you're looking at a mirrored wall, <laughs> and so you could see yourself. So you have to navigate it, and it's kind of hard to like know where you are. And then, after you hit the button at the back, you're supposed to get to the end of the maze and hit the button. Yeah. It double mirrors everything. Uh And it's so fucking hard to get back out in a way that, like, I thought was pretty interesting. Like, I wasn't expecting them to double mirror the maze. And it was, like, actually, like, an interesting, like, oh, fuck (laughs) moment, I thought. Uh, Yeah, I actually kind of agree. I, I hated it. Yeah, uh, yeah, in gameplay, but it's one of those things that like about harrowing. Yeah, I, I would imagine, especially like if they did it now, where it was where things were a little bit clearer, and they, they could have potentially given some hints, one or two. <laughs> yeah, uh, the fact that like everything is just black except the mirrors. Maybe they could have done something other than that to yeah. make it easier to tell where you've been. <laughs> Where, or where you you're are. going yeah yeah it's yeah it was just extremely rough um but i agree it's cool uh looking and cool it has conceptually yeah and it's got that like wild patterned floor so everything's like a little nauseating <laughs> mm-hmm. and a little black lodgy i don't know yeah was there a part of this game with like chevron floors and red curtains I don't think so. No, that was the Evil Within 2. We didn't talk about that, mm-hmm. but they do a total of Twin Peaks in that one. Yeah. Uh, Twin Pe- they probably, when they were thinking about putting Twin Peaks references <laughs> in this game, they were like, too soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, then. Oh, yeah, I guess my greater point about the whole thing is that I hated all, doing all these dumb puzzles. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, we've talked about this before with other games where, like, they have, like, multiple, like, yeah, like this game you could describe as, like, point-and-click mixed with shooter. Mm-hmm. Like, they feel like they have to kind of do, like, a final test or final boss version of each section. This yeah. was the puzzle final boss. And, yeah, it's just, it's too long. There's so many of them. It's pretty, like, mentally exhausting. <laughs> And it's like, if you look at the room that it's in, it really looks like they try to jam as many in there as they possibly could. Like, there are doorways that are just, like, much wider than other ones, and, like, they tried to literally jam the level into (laughs) the geometry of the space. Uh, It is, it's just a little bit too much. But, like you just said, this game isn't just an adventure game, and it did need to have a final boss for the shooter part of it as well. And we should talk about that part of it after, after the, the break. break. <laughs> I didn't mean to go fucking fuck wild on you. Putting on the Ritz over here. Welcome back. Uh, this game is not just a kind of confusing adventure game. It's also a kind of confusing uh, first-person shooter. (laughs) So, you very early in the game, 
uh, after you examine a coat rack and figure <laughs> out <laughs> what the fuck is going on, you're just handed a gun, straight up. Right, just sitting on, like, a end table or whatever. <laughs> Which... This is this belongs nowhere in the podcast, but sure. I do have to mention it. It opens with there's a typewriter, and you comments, "Oh, it's missing the ink ribbon." And one, I thought that was going to be how you saved because I played a lot of Resident Evil, and I thought they were just taking it straight from it. It does stand out, yeah. But then the typewriter types a thing itself. In a spooky, yeah, it's supposed to be a ghostly typewriter. It's a ghostly typewriter that doesn't happen ever again in this game. There's never any sort of like poltergeisty <laughs> kind of shit that goes down. It's just this one time, and then every other ghost you beat is happy to talk to you. Yeah, it's <laughs> real weird. Yeah, no, I I agree that that typewriter stood out. It's like I never like went back to it, like thinking I needed to like actually use it for a puzzle or anything but like mm-hmm. anytime i passed by it i did like notice it and be like mm. <laughs> it's today the day like, the man, should, I, should i be remembering that typewriter i don't know <laughs> uh but anyway that's the typewriter story i had to tell mm-hmm. next to the typewriter there was just a fucking colt 45 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh you get a you pick up a handgun and a couple of magazines. I think you get like two to start out with, which is like not an insignificant number of bullets. No. Um, and honestly, the handgun's pretty good uh, as far as your weapons go. Mm-hmm. Um, you end up, we'll get into it, but it gets not necessarily outclassed, but like it gets into that. Oh, this uses bullets, so I'm not going to use it all the time. And so you end up not using it ever after a certain period. But at the beginning of the game, it, you really feel like, oh man, I got to conserve so hard and make sure that I don't waste any shots. Yeah, it feels very classic survival horror at the beginning. Um, and yeah, like there's like, yeah, there's the emphasis on the guns and the ammo. But, like, you get more and more of these, like, magic-using, like, rechargeable weapons. Uh, Yeah, and, like, once you get towards the end of the game, you're only really using those. Yep. Uh, Except for maybe you'll pull out the shotgun sometimes to blast something. At least that was the case for me. And it it felt weird. Um, I get, because of, like, like, the story of the game why they would want to give you the cool magic weapons yeah but like the mechanic is just not tuned or balanced very well like it's just a lot of like running around waiting for them to recharge like my strategy for a lot of things late game was like blast a guy with like adam's dagger Uh uh-huh eye inventory open it up (laughs) grab the staff close the inventory blast them with that (laughs) Open the inventory, grab the blunderbuss or whatever, blast them with that inventory. <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> just swap through all of the charge weapons so they'd have time to charge up in between. Yep. It's, it, we talked about this like, I mean, I'm sure that this has come up on multiple episodes where something just has a timer attached to it and it makes for bad gameplay. Um, one of those things is this, and then another one appropriately 
definitely part of another Halloween game is the way that magic recharges in uh, Eternal Darkness, where you just have to run in a circle. And it does. It makes the optimal strategy of playing the game just deeply unfun. So you, like, want to take more risks so that the game is not boring. (laughs) But also, you know that you don't want to, like, die and restart from your save or like save after every bullet or something stupid. Yeah. You can't really play it, even though it looks like doom with like the 3d engine with the sprite enemies, you can't really like run around running gun. Right. Um, I did. I, I had to like use a walkthrough in a couple of places. Mm-hmm. I will admit it. Oh no, um, I did too. Uh, and, uh, there, I was watching this guy, and he was doing that with the blunderbuss, just kind of running around and like just just using it and just blasting stuff. And I was like, that looks kind of fun, <laughs> but you still do have to wait for it to recharge. And I can't not just like switch over to the sword mm-hmm. <laughs> in while I'm waiting, you know. So as you can kind of force it to work if you really want to. Yeah, eternity, comma the dragon sword, uh, right? Yeah, that you get near the end of the game is hysterically strong and makes me wish that you had it for more of the game. Uh, Not, like, so early that all combat was laughable or, like, early enough that, like, you don't have to care about ammo. Just a little bit earlier because the parts where you have it, it just feels correct to use. Yeah. Because the melee part of it's really fast as compared to the slow bronze sword. Yeah. And it also has a charge beam thing. Um, And so it just... It felt like it was fixing the problems that the rechargeable weapons had, where you shoot them and then you don't do anything with them. Yeah. Also, I was confused because it shit... Like, when you get the staff, we're gonna... This is gonna be a whole thing. I'm just gonna go through it real fast. Uh... When you pick up the staff the first time, I will say I lost all control of my body when the cutscene ended and you pick up this magical staff that's like a long wizard staff mm-hmm. and you're holding it like, like a, a BFG. <laughs> it's so good. And I loved that. But I thought it was like it has like six skulls at the top. And when you shoot, it uses all of them, mm-hmm. and then they slowly recharge over time. It takes like a minute or something for it to recharge. It feels like a long time. It feels like, like you're forever. playing, yeah. Yeah. And so I just didn't use it, like, ever. Oh, I used it all the time. <laughs> I realized later that I should have been, but I thought that it, like, I couldn't figure out how it was recharging, mm. because I wouldn't check back so often that I realized that it was only a minute or so. Yeah. Uh, But I was checking back often enough that I would be like, I'm confused. Why is this full now? Is Mm -hmm. it just time or whatever? Uh, And the fact that it uses all the shots at once just feels bad. Like, fuck you if you miss, one. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) two, it's like, you use it one time and then you just put it away? Like, that's not a cool weapon <laughs> that you use once and then put yeah. away. You can kind of, like, with, like, not as tough enemies, so, like, middle of the game, like, you can, like, shoot them with the full shot, and that will kill some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then, like, it doesn't take very long for it to fill up about, like, three. And, like, if you fire off, like, a three-charge one, it's also, like, pretty solid. So I think it's meant to be used like that. Okay. 
I used it as like an opening shot. Yeah. And then I would kill things. I with did a that once I had multiple things that all had like big blast <laughs> attacks. <laughs> I would like cycle through all of them. And if that didn't kill it, then I would go to a regular gun. Yeah. I think that the time that I realized how the mechanics worked was the time that I had Elf's Dagger. And yeah. that's the one that I used like that. Yeah. Um, but I would also still switch to, like, shotgun or whatever. But you get to the end of the game, you realize the shotgun actually is pretty fucking weak sauce. And it's way... It does way less damage than the blast attacks from the blast weapons. Mm-hmm. And so... You're correct. The repeated inventory accessing... I use the hotkeys... But they're not very convenient, and they would get me killed yeah, a lot. They were very cold keys. They were some, <laughs> some cold keys. They were so far away that I could not be bothered to use them. Uh, uh, but yeah, you would just like cycle through, and it just became because it's a lot safer to use the inventory. You know, like because yeah, it, it pauses the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of this stuff felt really, like, misguided and strange, but, like, it is, it's early, right? Like, Doom comes out in 1993. This game comes out late 1996. The first-person shooters didn't go through a huge evolution. You could argue that they actually did, but, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't something that was so universal that, like, every game was doing it like this. That it kind of makes some amount of sense um, that they came up with this system. It's just a weird, weird system. It's it's weird that there's like a there's like a transition throughout the game. Like it it starts out feeling like a pretty solid, like feeling like one thing. Like you go into the mansion and it's like starts out with some adventure gamey stuff. Then you find like the secret dungeon underneath the mansion, and mm-hmm. it feels like just feels like doom it's like you just found like a portal to hell in your dad's mansion's basement and now you're gonna blast <laughs> demons you know yeah it has that kind of feel and like you you're going around it's like this huge area or at least it was a lot bigger than i expected it to be i just kept going and then like as it goes on like you get to like the next area you go to is like a weird hedge maze <laughs> area and like it, it changes it up in such a way that like it it's like they switched gears what they wanted to do. Yes. Uh, yeah, because it, it does... Like, I, I'm not going to, like, give this game a pass. I complained about it on Bendy. I'll complain about it here. You can't really do a survival horror game with infinite use items. It feels... It, it takes away some of the tension. And I will say, like, maybe I got, like, startled a couple of times in this game. But, like, it's not that... It's not, like, a real scary yeah. game. Michael Jackson isn't all that scary. Uh, no, he sure isn't. <laughs> One of the premier enemy types. <laughs> uh, but, uh... It, it is, like... You get the infinite use weapons, and it does just make you want to use it, and it... I don't like that. I, yeah. I liked the... I wish they would have made the pistol and the shotgun just way better than those weapons if they weren't going to just not include <laughs> or them. Or kept giving ammo pickups. Yeah. They really fall off later in the game you get. After you get, like, kidnapped and put in the jail cell, mm. there's, like, a room that just has, a like... A bunch of them. Like, 50 shotgun shells. <laughs> you and probably like... have none of these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you have that, um... Oh, at least a lot of people do, I think, that mindset of like you want to conserve the ammo it's like something we always talk about and then yeah once you get those items that recharge you 
that's another thing that make, pushes you to them is you're like, oh, I can save bullets. Yep. Yeah, it pushes you to the less engaging method of play. Yeah. And that's and that's just a game design problem. That's just a problem in signaling to the player what the game is supposed to be. And what is the game supposed to be this? In which case, <laughs> it was just kind of a bad decision. Yeah, it's like they lean more and more, I think, into like the biblical fantasy thing they're doing um and then so the sacred swords seem more more important narratively i guess that is true yeah i mean if i had a sword that could shoot a laser yeah i'd be pretty into it i don't know (laughs) they could even put like uh like a little like recharge stations around Mm -hmm. so that you do like a pickup or something so that you do actually only have six shots with the staff but then you could plug it in somewhere and yeah. let it recharge. Or like the the whatever dragon sword of eternity or it's whatever. Eternity, yeah. the dragon sword. Um like let you actually use them as a melee thing too. Yeah. And maybe like hitting things recharges the charges. Which considering that they're all like knives and yeah. big sticks seems to yeah. make sense. Those are weapons. A staff. I love the dagger. idea that this guy <laughs> wanders in, has no understanding of, of the supernatural at all, and picks up a dagger <laughs> and shoots a lightning bolt out of the end of it and then goes, well, I can't use this anymore. <laughs> I can only use this to shoot lightning bolts. That's what you do with knives. Yeah, it holds it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, that makes me think of... Um... Much like uh, Hylix that we talked about earlier uh, in the year, this game has some good uh, hand animations. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, like the reload animation on the pistol I thought was really cool. It's really satisfying. That's one of the biggest steps up, I would say, from Doom. Because uh, those hand animations, the classic uh, super shotgun reload, mm-hmm. you just fucking punch your fist right into the back of that gun no like intricate animation at all but the reload and it takes so long i was really excited for this to be a survival horror game yeah because it feels like forever to reload you can't manually uh like reload the clip like you do oh yeah you can if you're willing to waste the rest of the clip Uh, because i thought you couldn't shoot unless you were looking at something that you could shoot at mm -hmm. but control actually will just fire at will yeah that's how i emptied a bunch of shots into that mirror oh yeah (laughs) so yeah that is it does actually it highlights it lets you shoot the mirror which Mm. i thought was weird anyway also windows you can shoot as well um just out of nowhere. Yeah, FYI. Yeah. <laughs> it never seems to accomplish anything. The mirrors are part of one of the many bad puzzle trials at the end. Yeah. But uh, the windows, as far as I can tell, there's no reason to shoot them out. But you sure can. Um, but yeah. And it, to complement all of these weapons, there are a host of interesting enemies. I love the enemy design in this game. Uh, it's my favorite thing in the whole world. I I like them all aesthetically, but I feel like mechanically they don't really do anything different from each other. Oh, no, not at all. (laughs) I just meant they look great. Yeah. Uh, We've got yellow minotaur and red minotaur. Uh You've got insect 
thing with knife arms. Okay. Uh, that patrols around in the in the the I forget what it was called the fucking temple of Saturn or whatever. Sure. Um, you got who else is? Yeah, Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. I've heard people refer to them as the Men in Black. Mm. Which I think is a fun community name for them. I think, yeah, I mean, they do wear black. Yeah. Were they, I don't think I got a close enough look at them to actually, like, determine if it was a suit or not. Yeah, they're, they're I think they're wearing suits. Okay. And they just kind of, they have a gun. I hate that enemy type so much because they have an easy to avoid projectile fireball. Mm-hmm. And then they have an undodgeable pistol yeah, shot. Hit scan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hate why. Yeah, and they'll die in one hit from, like, the fully charged lasers. <laughs> so it, it can be easy to, like, think you can just run past them and stuff, and then they'll shoot you. <laughs> yep. And the game loves to spawn in, like, hundreds of them at once. Yeah. Um, or at least it did at least twice. <laughs> so. It was a ha- handful of times. Yeah. Uh, there's also a xenomorph uh, in the brain maze. There sure. Yeah. And by uh, uh, xenomorph, I mean a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, like a dozen. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the brain maze for a second. Sure. This seems like the time to pull it up. Yeah, I had I have two sections as in my notes as lowlights, and the brain maze is one of them. Do you have highlights as well? No. <laughs> well, let's not to say that, not to say that I didn't like parts, but. I wanted to mention the lowlights. Yeah. Well, let's do that now. And we'll start with the brain maze, because I think everyone agrees on that. Yeah. Um, first of all, welcome to Maze-tober, uh, yeah. where every game has a maze in it for some reason. Uh, and the mazes in this game are some of the maziest of them. Uh, these mazes do not really give me any sort of anxiety or fear, for the most part. I just kind of ran around in them. And Mm -hmm. they sure were mazes. The brain maze, you mentioned there were some places you used to walk through. Uh I looked up a walkthrough for this, and Mm. I do have to say, shout outs. A guy made a walkthrough on Steam, like as part of the community tab, and God bless his heart. This man drew a a map of this area that does not have a map. Uh, on some printer paper and scan that shit in and put it in the walkthrough is not helpful. Having a walkthrough in this part is not helpful. Everything looks identical. So the second that you turn a direction, you're lost. Mm-hmm. I did not know dick about what was going on at any time, but the walkthrough did tell me that I needed 16 brains, mm-hmm. which after I picked my job off the floor, I was like, you expect me to get 16 fucking brains? Uh, I... That helped immensely because yeah. I knew what how many I had to get in order to get to the end of the maze. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, this part sucks. There's like these big pillars with hearts on them, and I don't know what they're for oh, yeah. or if they do anything. And when you click on them, he says something like, oh, my tension's being drawn to this or whatever. Yeah. And like, then you don't do anything with it. Like, you can't shoot the hearts. Nope. Or anything. It's real weird. Yeah, uh, and then you're attacked by xenomorph dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, I didn't use a walkthrough for this part except for when I couldn't find the last brain, uh-huh. and then found out that it's behind the brain machine, and I was like, "Ah, uh, that is video game 101. I should have checked that." <laughs> yep, that was actually the the second one oh, that I wow. got. Yeah, after I got the one in front, I went behind. I, I actually like 
it's another thing. Oh, I don't remember what I was saying it in reference to earlier. Oh, the the mirror maze. Like, oh yeah. The the may the may the brain maze was like really complicated in a way that it did almost feel kind of satisfying to figure out how to navigate it, but that was not enough <laughs> uh, to save it. Yeah, my problem with the brain maze because if we go over the various mazes, uh huh. I think the mirror maze was the hardest for me to actually complete. Yeah, because it was it was the Fucks most challenging maze. Yeah. yeah. This one's problem is that everything looked too samey. And in fact, you went to identical rooms. Yeah. Um, so you had a, a bearing when there were brains in them, but after you picked the brains up, uh, which is a weird thing to say, yeah. just out of context, um, it no longer had anything that you could go back to and be like, oh, this is where I am. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm in one of three identical rooms. <laughs> the corpses of the xenomorphs is what helped me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think there were a few too many of them yeah. that I got. I was like, I didn't think to memorize where I was yeah. when I killed each one. Yeah, it was just helpful to be like, yeah, like, I remember when I got, like, rushed by these two, like, while I'm, like, was going around the perimeter. Like, because I would, like, explore it, like, in sections, or, like, mm-hmm. I would try to, and that's how I kind of kept it straight in my head. Now, the hedge maze was simultaneously more interesting and also worse. Like, I thought it it was a more interesting visual because you're it's the first lush green area yeah, that you see. Non-haunted house. Yeah. And so it has this interesting thing, and then you go through and you're like tasked with like finding all of these objects, so you feel like you have this mysterious goal uh to get. But then it it also kind of suffers from the looks the same, but that's just what a hedge maze is. I think it really comes down to if you enjoy doing a maze. Yeah. The hedge mage was unoffensive to me, okay. personally. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... It wasn't one of the lowlights, yeah. like the brain was. <laughs> uh, my other low light though, is the... I don't even know how to describe it, but, like, the the dark area where you had to get the ruby to put in the like the demon statue's hand at the end of it oh yeah yeah that part like sucked i thought just like navigating this like big area in the dark the this is making me assume now that i probably got lucky Mm. because this didn't take me too long uh this is actually I'm not going to call it a highlight because it sure fucking ain't. Um, (laughs) But it was a part where I felt like the combat felt at its peak, where I I was still using guns Mm -hmm. here, and the enemies were like, they made noises, so you actually knew where they were. You look at them, shoot them with the guns. And and I think I may have just stumbled across the correct path Mm -hmm. um, to get there. Uh... And yeah. I like I found the demon statue before I found the thing to put in his hand, so I had to go yeah, back. Yeah, me too. So that part, I mean, it felt more natural. I think I don't know. Uh, I do agree that the fact that it's just like a big dark room with some walkways in it is not helpful. Yeah, it's like it's really big and open, and then it's like you can fall off, and there's like a lower level too, which mm-hmm. makes it more complicated. Um, it just yeah, it just felt like a lot. Especially, like, a big step up in, like, oh, God, uh, in, like, complexity. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, um, 
that's the problem that I have with a lot of, of the areas in this game. Like, you mentioned that it felt directionless as to, like, where you were supposed to go next. There are areas where I'm happy to be lost in, but then there are also tons of areas in this game that I'm not. <laughs> and this is one would have been one of them had I gotten, like, severely backtracked in it. Um, but... That and, like, all these mazes and things. There's that whole area between... There's, like, a ritual that you perform to summon a demon, and then you kill the demon. So you're just summoning an enemy. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, you need to do it to unlock the door to the back. And, like, there, it's, like, the courtyard area. Uh, where you just kind of run around... <laughs> And there isn't really anything going on or anything that interesting to look at. And it became kind of tedious to get stuck in. Mm -hmm. It's just those areas, I think, make this game... They made the game take longer than it needs to, <coughs> as far as, like, maintaining the interest level. But also just... <laughs> I don't know. It, it would feel more appropriate if the game was more survival horror-y because it would feel like a drain on your resources. But because you're just shooting people with knives and stabs, it it doesn't do it, you know? Yeah, there's some points that uh, feel like filler, Yeah, I would say. I would agree. Let's bring, let's bring it around. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the fact that this game has some... We'll call them, for the lack of a better term, bosses uh, to shoot with guns. Um, there's like, I want to say five-ish, and s several are optional. Mm. I feel like I'd be hard-pressed to think of more than like two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So working backwards, the boss of the, the Dodger. Yeah, the Dodger. And Belial. Then, yeah, those are the only two I could name. <laughs> There's the guy who tells you that you will burn, and he shoots fireballs oh, at yeah. you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, there's the demon after the brain maze. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. He didn't really feel like much of a boss. That's fair. To me, but... He I, is a I unique suppose, model. Yeah, I suppose that counts. Yeah. yeah. That actually might be it. I did that thing where I count all the ones that I do know, and then I add one. <laughs> To just assume that there's probably one I'm forgetting. Uh -huh. But I may not have forgotten. It may have just been them. Uh, these all felt weird. And <laughs> I, Belial especially mm -hmm. felt like a strange fight. Uh, but I think it just might be the general strangeness of how normal of a dude he is. Yeah, and he just stands in one spot. Yep. So you just kind of walk until your thing recharges and avoid yeah. his easy to avoid yeah. fire or crouch behind a tombstone or you can be in literally tombstone. no danger and take no damage at all <laughs> you could also do that yeah <laughs> uh i just they all felt really yeah like a lot of regular enemies were more threatening than the bosses mm -hmm. with the exception of the dodger who is just a very fast Enemy that kills you pretty quick. Yeah, so I, I said earlier that I kind of, I felt like I softlocked myself out of beating the final boss. Mm -hmm. uh, and the reason is, is because I got to the final cutscene with like one pip of HP. <laughs> 
and then had to <laughs> escape the mansion with no help. Ooh. And then when I got back to like the main room, I was like, there. I tried it probably ten times, and I was like, there's just no way I can kill this thing. Yeah, no healing with potions. None. Yeah, Damn. no healing potions and no health. That's pretty rough. Yeah. That is worse than anything I could have guessed as uh, being the case of, of you softlocking yourself Because that last, like, little level to get up to the ending cutscene is, like, pretty hard. Yep. Yeah. I ran... I ran so far away. I tried to run away, but man, those things just kept flying at you. Oh, I didn't make it. Yeah. No, I ran as far as I could, and I got to the point where there's the two demons guarding the hallway... And mm. I was, like, trying to shoot them, and I realized that everything that I didn't kill before was now right behind me. Uh, and so I, I ended up in this situation where I was, like, behind a wall, and just sort of, like, I'd peek and shoot at some stuff, and then when they got close, I would just, like, sword slash, mm-hmm. slash them a lot. Uh and that's how I ended up getting through it. I don't know how I managed to get there with as much health as I did, but I was able to actually just refill my health completely mm. before going into the final cutscene. And so I I got through it with no trouble. <laughs> uh, not no trouble. He killed me twice. Yeah. Uh, but his AI gets confused in the way that some of the other ones do. So if you like run down a hallway and then yeah, run he'll back, get stuck on stuff. He'll like go patrol the hallway. And turn yeah, back that around. was like my strat <laughs> for trying to beat him, but I was never able to. Damn. Did you watch the last cutscene on on YouTube? Yeah, like the mansion implodes on itself. Yeah, no, and then he <laughs> he does like the no bitches meme, <laughs> where he puts his eye real close to the camera, uh, looking out of the the little food slot because he's yeah. been put in an insane asylum <laughs> the ending of this game is fucking wild so i actually i watched a video about this game earlier just to get some idea of like what people thought about it mm-hmm. um, and they're like it was released in 1997 yeah I'm like, oh my god <laughs> um but apparently that was like a last minute addition to the game uh and uh, it would speculated that it was supposed to like set up for like a sequel that they never made. I would believe that. Uh, I do know that there's a fan wiki mm-hmm. for this game that is called Tales from the Tower, which, big fucking shit, that's a great name. That is a good name. Uh, for it. But I believe this is the, yeah, this is the only game in this pseudo franchise that never occurred uh, to exist. And I, I, God, I wish that was not true because th- this was a, a wild time. Yeah, it would be cool to see them do have done a sequel, mm-hmm. uh, and like maybe focus it towards one direction or another, or maybe develop their ideas some more. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the core. I don't know if this counts as final thoughts. So we're having a little shared yeah. final <laughs> thoughts moment, uh, <laughs> where I think the 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 core part of the game that makes it really interesting is the fact that it is a, it's a genre fusion. It's a, it's a jazz fusion kind of experience Uh of a video game. And so I would love to see it in that same style. Just, yeah, like you said, focused in there, like rethink the design of it that made, that made it so strange. But one of the things that I cannot complain about at the end of this game is just the game's ending cutscenes. (laughs) are masterworks uh and i love them uh 
So, the end of the game. Here's what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but... No. So, you, you at the beginning of the game, you're given a pile of rubble that they say is important. as apparently the, sh- the six seals, mm-hmm. which is a thing in biblical prophecy crazy shit. Uh-huh. Where there are seven seals, and when they're broken, it's like the apocalypse, the end of the world. And uh, the, I believe the seventh seal is the shrive that you find. And for, like, a second in the game, it acts kind of like a key. You, like, put it in a hole in the wall, and then the door opens, and then you take the shrive out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it brands your hand. And it brands your hand. <laughs> that allows you, you've become marked, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's this one villain that wears the skin of somebody else's hands <laughs> so he can hold it. Yes. I forget if that is Belial or if that is Florentine or if they're the I think same it's guy. Belial. Belial, okay. If it does that. But I thought that was like, that was my favorite detail in the game. I mean, it's extremely like cool. Good. It's, it's metal that he's wearing <laughs> the skin of someone else's hands over his hands, but it's also just like a cool world building thing. Like he didn't want to get marked by it, so he's using the skin of the hands of a previous wielder of it <laughs> as gloves. It's pretty fucking badass. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a Bond villain or something. Mm-hmm. Someone a weird quirk. <laughs> uh but your father, who is dead. Has, calls you to the house and he, I think I, it's so hard to piece shit together. Either he or Florentine mm-hmm. had a dream about a sword and the sword was the was eternity comma the dragon sword uh-huh. which existed in a different realm that they got to and got the sword you stick the shrive on the sword I do not know why it is now capable of killing the immortal flesh of people who have performed some ritual. Uh huh. So all this established, you bust in on this meeting that makes no sense. There's a guy that you like who is helping you. Hawk or whatever? Hawk. Is there? You have, so you've got good, you got bad. Florentine is there. He's Mm -hmm. performing the ritual. And then there's the guy with the cards. Yeah. I don't know what his deal is at all. But he seems neutral. Yeah. (laughs) He's just happy to be there. And they do this bit. Where he, like, shows up early in the game and has, like, a card, and it's, and he's written on it, like, Adam, you've been chosen, and, like, just, like, slides it under the door. Uh, they do it in a more dramatic way. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, this guy, he knows the, whatever, the prophecy and shit. But then this scene, I love it. I love this scene. He's holding the deck of cards, and he's, like, looking at them and, like, throws the cards. Yeah, and one by one. They're all jokers. Like, his deck has changed to all jokers. And his face is just, like, just pure bewilderment. <laughs> it's like bewilderment and amusement uh-huh. had a face baby that is just amazing. I love yeah. it so much. That, the way <laughs> it says... It, I don't know what exactly it says about the craft of acting, but I feel like it says a lot that I can read into that performance as much as I do, because the few choices he makes are strong choices that make me feel like he is like an omniscient like fate seer, like the fates from Greek mythology. Yeah, but he's just also like a trickster, and who's just like never tells anybody anything and just like speaks in riddles. 
It's amazing. Yeah. It's the best performance of the game. It has no spoken dialogue. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so you get tricked, sort of. You don't have, like, you as the player can go, I see through your ruse. Because Florentine's baiting you into, like, killing him with yeah, the sword. Yeah, and that'll break the seal. Right. So he's trying to get you to, to attack him. Correct. And you, as the player, can go, aha, nuh-uh, I'm not doing it. But it doesn't matter, because the game has to progress. Uh-huh. So he hits you with a freezem spell. Uh, a popsicling spell? <laughs> a popsicling spell. And another one of my favorite bits in the fucking game, he, when he goes to pick up the sword... He, like, puts his staff in your hand like it's a coat <laughs> Yeah, hold on to this. It's such a great move. And then when he bends down to look at it, Rebecca, who's been exposed as being a spirit of some kind, though I don't know what, uh, there's a weird, awkward scene. She was, like, his apprentice or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's 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 one of Google Gobble, Google Gobble, one of them. One of them. <laughs> Correct. And there's a point where he's like, uh, and I was his consort. And yeah. he's like, him? But like Adam's not <laughs> on screen for that because it's cut to this reaction shot of Florentine just like grinning in the <laughs> creepiest fucking way. Anyway, she takes 15 minutes to sneak over to him while he's in a supine position oh, yeah. and just kicks his face in. It's, it's really comical like even more so than this game had already been because like yeah as you said you refused to attack him which is what i did mm. um and then he popsicles you and then just like takes all the time in the world like he like the sword's just laying there he like kind of bends down over it and then he like puts the staff in your hands and then he must have been really winded because then he just like sits there and like waits for Rebecca to come over and kick him. And it's like a full fucking like 15 seconds. <laughs> it's a long time. And that's even if you consider like maybe the two shots are happening simultaneously. Uh-huh. It would still have taken a comically <laughs> long time for her to get there. Uh, yeah. And then she just kicks his face, mm-hmm. um, which breaks the spell. Which I guess makes a concentration spell. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then, yeah, you fucking throw him in a hole? Yeah, it's like. Like Palpatine? <laughs> yeah, it's the way it's shot. You can't really see. It just looks like he gets kicked out of the game. <laughs> it doesn't get up again. Yeah. I'm out. Um, but I think you throw him in the pit. Yeah. In the Well of Souls or whatever. Uh, and it's great. And then uh, uh, Rebecca becomes the new guardian of the Soul Stone. Not going to explain what that is, because mm-hmm. I can't. And she promises to visit you in your dreams. Uh, and they share a sweet moment. She gives him a, a classic side-of-the-mouth kiss. Uh-huh. You know, like, just right over here. It's just a coy smooch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fantastic. It's the best cutscene I've ever seen in a video <laughs> game. <laughs> it's like... Fucking tomes and talismans uh, in the form of this weird-ass horror game. Yeah, it has that kind of, like, 80s, 90s, low-budget sincerity. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you had to have, like, enough 
craft in knowledge to be able to get the money to make the thing back then. Uh, but <laughs> then maybe weren't able to hire the best people to be in it. It's like an interesting mix that you don't really get anymore. Yeah. And I get that, like, <laughs> this is, it's, there's very little separation at this point in time between what you would do to film this for a video game and what we you would do to film this for any other purpose. Yeah. So you get these amazing, the, the one thing that that is different is that there's just a much higher volume of weird CG objects yeah, yeah, that get like, put in here. Yeah, they're like over top, like green screened into like the game geometry. Yes, and it looks incredible. It's bad. It looks great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, like actually the, like, the compression they have to put on it, which makes it look all pixely and whatever, mm-hmm. uh, actually does help blend the mediums. That's, like, the one thing about FMV that is, like, a big positive, I think. I would agree. Creates, like, its own unique look. This game would fail at having the, like, remaster treatment like uh, Night Trap did. Because mm. Night Trap's all on, on live sets. Yeah. And this is Not. a pure green screen affair. Uh, but it's also incredibly impressive. Uh, so, the list of things I'm really impressed by... The expansiveness of game, number of voice lines describing things. Amount of cutscenes. Amount of cutscenes. <laughs> and the number of practical objects that mm. they made or found for this. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that, like, they obviously just digitized and put into the game as well. Uh, that just look incredible. Like, mm, perfect. <laughs> I love it. Like, they're great props unironically good props yeah <laughs> they got like a unique look to them yeah like that staff the first one you get dude that staff blue, is... with the blue crystal on the end i think this is my halloween costume this year <laughs> i just need to get i need to make that staff um oh also the lighting um, mm. is that it has really good lighting effects like when you turn a light on in a room mm, yeah the rooms outside will darken and vice versa like if you spend a little time in the dark room yeah. it lightens up yeah uh, it, the, they're actually that that did stand out i'm glad that you called that out that like you go into like a dark place and it's actually dark like lighting effects like that i feel like were not that common back then absolutely uh do we think that that is that we've spoken the the fucking magic words are we done with this i think so do we have florentine thoughts nice uh my florentine thoughts uh this game is one of those unique ones uh especially weird because i thought it was a more recent indie throwback (laughs) game and it in fact was a game from 1997 slash six um so yeah i kind of had to like re like contextualize my thoughts on it a little bit today um and yeah like i have to say like i am there's a lot of things i'm really impressed with about this game like for when it came out um like the genre fusion i think like that sort of stuff has always happened uh, i think is like more common uh like when you get like maybe 10 years you know on from this game Mm -hmm. um and yeah, so it, it feels a little ahead of its time in certain ways. Um, and as far as like FMV goes, I think this is one of like the better 
implementations of it that like I've experienced. Um, it, I think it really adds something to the game uh, to have the the FMV characters in a way that it doesn't always. It doesn't just feel like super separate mm-hmm. like uh, s- some games did at the time. Um, so I, yeah, I think they integrated that really well. Um, and it yeah, it's like integrated well into like the art style of the game and everything. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. I didn't really engage with. I didn't play Doom. You can take my gamer card, um, and I, or like old PC games, like anything on DOS at all. Yeah. Um, so it was a little bit weird um, to adjust to like the controls and things. Uh, and that kind of stuff's the biggest obstacle, I think. Like the controls, the inventory, and then some of like the obtuse adventure game elements. But this game is so like weird and unique and interesting that like if you're anything like us, like I think that stuff doesn't really matter that much in the end. And this game was totally worth uh, experiencing. Uh, there definitely were some headaches and pains in there along <laughs> the way, but in the yeah, like I'm gonna look back on this fondly for sure. Like I think the bright spots are gonna shine, uh, and I will forget the bad ones. Uh, so. Yeah, like, it's a mixed bag, weird uh, gem of an old game, I think. Uh, so, yeah, good good pull on this one. Yeah, I think this is going to go down, I think, as, as my favorite of the games that we played this year for Halloween. And I, I mean, favorite in a way. And in, in the same way that I really like going back and listening to the episode we did on Night Trap... Be, and on Harvester and all that kind of shit, because it is something that is a unique thing. I, I think this game, we always talked for a while about, could we find the next Harvester game? And this isn't really that, because I think Harvester has, there's an intentionality behind Harvester that isn't here for this. And it's very funny. And it's really funny. <laughs> and this game had some laugh out loud moments for me, but they were never, they didn't reach the heights because it didn't write them as jokes, you know? Um, and so, and honestly, it's too good to laugh at that much of. Like, the parts that I laughed at were great, but there were also a lot of parts that were taken very seriously, and it only rarely went into the realm of kind of a boring exposition dump. Um, so I do have to give it credit for that. Uh, this is one of those old games that is going to be difficult to go back to for a lot of people. Uh, as a big fan of games like this, it was hard for me as well. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that d- doesn't click immediately. Uh, and a lot of stuff that needed some figuring out, some ironing out. I don't think I need to go over where the design went wrong here because it's just operating on a totally different understanding of what makes a game good. Uh, so everything that I've said up until this point kind of covers it. The puzzles are confusing. The things uh, getting from place to place is difficult to understand and you don't get very much guidance. And the controls are all over the keyboard and don't make a lot of sense. But if you are an aficionado of games like this, well, if you're an aficionado, you've probably already played this. But if you're just a fan and want to see things that are interesting uh, in the FMV space, especially 
uh, this is absolutely worth looking at. It's really cheap. Um, and it even does interesting things mechanically that these games normally don't. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this a lot, but not really for the game, for the experience. Uh, that's where I'm going to leave it. And oh and also the fucking midi music oh yeah and it sounds like it gets out of time with itself on occasion (laughs) fucking mm, i love it (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening to no clip this week what are we talking about next time next time we're exiting the spookiest month of the year, October, and moving into the friendliest month of the year, November, I guess. Uh, and we're going to be talking about Kirby and the Forgotten Land, uh, which is the, oh God, 2020, 2021, 2022, I forget when it came out. I think it was this year. The This Year 3D Platforming Kirby Game. Time is a construct? It sure is. Especially when you're in space where Kirby takes place. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. The first 3D platformer Kirby game. As far, Yeah. Like Sandbox one. Definitely. Crystal Shards does not count. Yeah. I mean, Crystal Shards, I think, was... Two, was it 2D plan? Yeah. It, I think sometimes they did like a curve mm. or certain things, but it was, yeah, like a go left to right. That sounds right to me. But it's been a million years since I played it, mm-hmm. so... Anyway, it'll be great. Come check it out next time. Until then, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There you can find links to our Twitter account, our email address, our Discord server where you can suggest games for us to talk about. Fan Brewery is coming up. Get your Get your fucking brains a-brewing. <laughs> Some go through the brain maze. Go through the brain maze. Get your brain a brewing. <laughs> uh, and a link to our YouTube channel where we host all of our old episodes, including episodes on Harvester, hey, and Night Trap, and Night Trap, the Cat Lady, all the horror games that you love and I also love, uh, and some that I don't. But he loves more than you. <laughs> That's. Probably, statistically, <laughs> that is almost 100% positive. Uh, good lord. Uh, right click on, and then left click on that subscribe button <laughs> to use it on yourself to become a subscriber. <laughs> Put on a medieval knight's helmet to inexplicably be taken to the past to watch a cutscene, which is a thing that can happen in this game, in the comments. (laughs) What was the point of that helmet? Nothing? Which helmet? These two helmets. The the one that you just mentioned, the one that you find, and it just shows you a cutscene. Beats me. Mm. Uh, Maybe to introduce that character? I guess. And introduce your friends to that character by sharing this podcast on reddit or something or you know wherever yeah wherever podcasts are sold (laughs) i thought you oh was i in the middle of a thought no you looked around as if like fucking the developer of the game was behind me no i was like you take it back (laughs) 
No, I was just sitting here. 